We are back and standing by to join us in the last segment is Peter Noble Darrow. And he, we're going to talk about his book, Wise Millennial, A Field Guide to Thriving in Modern Life. Good morning, Peter. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Janine. I appreciate it very much. I was so interested in your book and also because, you know, with the New York Times recently released article about the college admission scandal, I know you had some opinions on that and you grew up um, east upper east side where i did and uh so let's talk about that for a little bit maybe your backstory yeah sure absolutely um so i i, you know, I was uh, very uh, privileged and, and and humbled and lucky to have grown up uh, on the upper east side in in manhattan and um attended uh, the Browning School here in New York, and then went on to boarding school uh, at a school called St. Paul's in Concord, New Hampshire, and then um, went to Miami for college, and and so I've just kind of been all over and uh, all over the East Coast, and I've just seen um, how you know how life is 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 so different, especially in in New York City, and and I'm same thing in Los Angeles and. Uh, where it's just hyper-competitive and you have all these parents that are trying to manipulate the, the path that their child takes as if there's yes. some formula. You know, you have to go to these schools and, and work these jobs and belong to these country clubs or right. whatever it may be. Yeah. I, I want to interject something that I really bombed my SATs. I mean, they were, they were, <laughs> they were embarrassing. And I call them the predictor of nothing because... Um, I mean, I went on to go to graduate school at Syracuse and graduate school at BU, and um, I just felt so awful. I was hiding it. And, but, I mean, if someone had paid for, for someone else to take my scores, and then I, you go to a college where you drown, it makes no sense. Sure. I, I think, you know, they, people talk about this, this word pedigree, and, and it's funny because I was having a conversation with a friend about this this weekend, and, and I really hate this word because, if anything, Personally, it was kind of shoved down my throat my whole upbringing where parents, I understand they want the best for their child. They want the best for their kid. But I think there's a confusion between what's best for them because you want it and what's best for them as, as an individual. And ultimately, it's a short-term win with a, with a long-term loss. And what I mean by that is the parent probably thinks they're they're you know, doing a good thing for their child. They're providing them with an excellent education. They're giving them great opportunities. What, what is ultimately happening and what will reveal itself later down the road is that you are depriving the, your child of a sense of empowerment, of self-accomplishment, right. of self-achievement. Yeah. You know, uh, I, did I earn this myself or was it just handed to me? And that can be very confusing in adulthood. And so it, it's, it, it, it really robs the child, your child, of, of their own identity and sense of self-worth and self-esteem. These are all these psychological issues that come later in life because of this kind of manipulated environment where, they, where the child ultimately feels like, did I really earn this myself or was everything just handed to me? Right, because I think, you know, about kids that work really hard and, and they're so excited and they feel like, you know, they have grit and they have determination and because they put the work in, they put the time in. Yeah, 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 no, 100%. Um, and, and, and so 
I, I, you know, I, you have these kind of this helicopter-style parenting, um, or I think they now call them bulldozer parents, where it's just, you're just, you know, you're ramming through, uh, and nice. they're just... <laughs> That's awful. What's that? <laughs> what a term that is, bulldozing parents, you know? I'm going to tell you what to do, and this is where you're going to apply. And and, and, and and I'm going to remove all barriers and all, uh, all adversity from the equation so that you can be comfortable. Uh, and I understand it's coming, it's, it's, not, it's not that it's coming from a, with any malicious intent. It's coming from a good place. However, it's just poor execution, you know. Uh, I would always say of my own parents, good, good intentions, poor execution, because yeah. it's not that, it's, not, it's coming from a place of love. The problem is that parents feel like in that they have to, they don't want their child to uh, have any kind of adversity, and they want to create these walls and barriers around them to protect them. But, but the role of a parent is not to prevent your child from facing adversity. In fact, it's, that's the only way you learn is through failure. What the role of a parent should be is to prevent your kid from falling too far, to encourage failure and to encourage facing obstacles and to be there to catch them when they fall as a safety net, but not to create an artificial, manipulated environment where there's no adversity. That is not doing your son or daughter any good. Exactly. And let me just interject something that... You know, the name of my show is Get the Funk Out. And when, when uh, we're in a funk, personal, professional, it's, you have to know how to get out of it. And what are they going to do when their parents aren't around? They're going to have no understanding of, you know, self-care and what are, who are they going to turn to? They have to look at themselves and say, what can I do to get out of this situation? A hundred percent. It's a great point. I'm glad you bring it up, Janine, because it's something that I've spent, you know, years uh, just in terms of introspection and, and, and meditating and, and therapy on uh, reflecting on that uh, it creates this codependency right. where you need somebody else because you're not capable or you don't, you don't have the skill set or tools to be able to create your own successes and not only create your own successes, but to feel like you actually earn them and to own them and to have an ownership and celebrate your wins, but also be realistic about your, your losses. And it, it creates a hypersensitive environment where this is kind of the environment that millennials live in now. And it's, it's quite unfortunate because everyone is, is so worried about being judged or judging others or how they're perceived or the, the, the perception of success, but really no understanding of the steps involved or necessary to, to achieve success. Success. Mm-hmm. So it's really kind of hurting our society and certainly hurting our generation more than it is helping them. So let's touch on your book because you share a lot of uh, great insights in your book. Um, you're a firm, firm believer in mindfulness that can help millennials. Uh, how has that played a role in your life? Yeah, uh, it's great. You know, I was introduced to meditating, uh, meditation about three years ago. And for me, it just helps really, I'm no guru by any means, so I don't want to come across as one, but to the ability to force yourself to take 10 minutes out of your day and pause and just create some mental distance between what you're thinking and what you're feeling and to separate your emotions 
without going too far down the rabbit hole, which we always often do. Our minds just have it, you know, wander on its own. And for me, it's just it's it's created a lot of positivity in my life. It's it's revealed things that were that were sitting in my subconscious that maybe I wasn't even fully aware of that that come to the surface. So it, for me, it's provided a lot of clarity. Uh, but I think mindfulness in general is just about understanding that we're all just so lucky to be alive and there are so many people that should be here now with us that aren't because they died too young and I lost my father to myeloma cancer about five and a half years ago uh you mentioned that you lost your parents as well my dad yeah yeah, three years ago. Um, yeah. And so, I, you know, I just think that if we come from that perspective where we're just lucky to be here, uh, it doesn't mean it's going to solve all your problems, but if we're coming through that lens and through that approach, it makes you appreciate the fragility of life a little bit more. And, and certainly, uh, I know that for millennials, which is what my book is, is geared toward, mm-hmm. I think that they're often invincible. Uh, and I think that having this sense of fragility of life will create, uh, will actually make you appreciate every day a little bit more in life, just kind of um, moments. And what I'm hearing is, and correct me if I'm wrong, the passing of your dad um, changed you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in many ways, but, but, I'll, but I'll say this, I'll, and, I, and, I, and I talk about this in the book, it, it, in a way, it, it liberated me, and I don't mean that in a negative. Of course, I, I would love to, I wish I, I had my father with me here today, but to be honest, I, I, used, to, I used to feel obligated to say, well, you know, of course I, I, I would want him here, and, um, but the truth is that I don't know if I would have been able to go, go down this path of, of enlightenment and, have, and develop a, a sense of self had he still been here, um, because it, it, and it's hard to hear me say that, but to, to be able to kind of have that introspection when you're living under someone's shadow, and my father was a great father, he was loving uh, and caring, but he, you know, he was very hard on my sister and I, and, and I think that it, it allowed me to look in the mirror and really reflect on what who, who, who am I? Whose life am I really living? Yeah. Am, I living am, am I living my own life? Am I, am I making my own decisions? Or am I making decisions to appease other people uh, or my parents or my friends? Yes, the latter. And who do I want to be? What, what's the life I want to live? Right. Yeah. Right. And, and you get to choose. Yeah. And I think that often we, we feel like we make decisions because we feel for our friends or to prove a point, like, I'll show you, and, and really you have to go through a process, which I did after my father passed away, where I kind of reflected and thought about everything I'd ever been taught. I mean, it was almost like a rebirth in a way, uh, and it, uh, it was, you know, figuratively speaking, I, I, I questioned every, every lesson I'd ever been taught, and I, I, I just decided, is this really serving me? Am, am, am I doing this for me, or does this benefit other people? And it's a very, it's a very empowering process. It's also very hard to look yourself in the mirror and really be honest and open about your strengths and your weaknesses uh, and, and to question things. You know, just because you were raised in a certain way doesn't mean you need to believe it. Exactly. Because you can't help how you were raised in your circumstances that you were born into. You can, no. You know. You can't choose your family and you can't choose your parents. But, 
and you can't choose the fa- and, the, and, and the, where you were born or what some family you were born into, but you can choose how you conduct yourself, and mm-hmm. you can choose what principles and core values you decide to lead your life with, especially when no one else is looking. And I think it's that intentionality. I mean, listen, there are people that have come literally from nothing and made something, you know, made everything out of themselves. Who never went to college or never even had the opportunity to. Uh, and, and 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 the exact opposite. I've seen people that had has have had every opportunity and had everything and you know just threw it all away and ended up doing a lot of drugs and alcohol and 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 a really a lot of kind of self you know toxic just substances and and and, and so and and everywhere in between right yes. uh, so yeah. I think it's really about how you conduct yourself and what motivates you you bet so listen we have to wrap up unfortunately but can you give out your website or where else people can reach you on social media of course, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, wisemillennial.com, uh, and Instagram is, is, a, is a great great starting point, at wisemillennial. Fantastic. I want to thank you so much for calling in. Congratulations on your latest book, Wise Millennial, A Field Guide to Thriving in Modern Life. Peter Noble Darrow, thanks so much. Thank you, Janine. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. That was Peter Noble Darrow, and if you missed any part of this, all his info is on the show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org, and within an hour, I will have our complete conversation uploaded on there. If you'd like to find out about being a guest, just send me an email to Janine, J-A-N-E-A-N-E, at kuci.org. Up next, Sheldon Abbott with Cure for the Blues. Have a great Monday, everybody. That's a wrap for me.